The new covenant is all about Jesus, perfect son of God, perfect son of man, perfect lamb of God, perfect high priest. It's all about the perfection of his finished work. And as a result, all in Christ are 100% complete in him. You might be wondering, now what? The answer, next on Daily in Christ. Hello once again and welcome to the Daily in Christ podcast. I'm Mark Van Oos and thanks so much for taking the time to join us as we study God's Word, the Holy Bible. And we have been on a great adventure in one of the most spectacular books of all 66 books of the Bible, and that is the Epistle to the Hebrews. We call Hebrews, I call Hebrews, the Magna Carta of the New Covenant. And last time we were in Hebrews chapter 10, we've been in the, uh, Hebrews chapter 10 the last couple of episodes and we covered a lot of ground, uh, verses 15 through verse 31. And once again, uh, looking at that previous episode, we looked at the new covenant and the part that's recited there in Hebrews chapter 10 beginning in verse 15 is all about our condition as a redeemed and saved people, that God has made it all possible through himself. And we have an incredible condition of forgiveness, absolute remission of sins, and so much more. We are complete because of what God has done through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Because of that, because of everything that the Lord Jesus Christ has done, we have a boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of God. And this is powerful stuff. We don't have to have fear or trepidation. We can come boldly before the presence of God. And it opens up relationship. We talked about the three let us's uh, in uh, Hebrews 10.22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And in Hebrews 10.24, it says, let us consider one another in order to stir up good works and love. And then we concluded the broadcast last time looking at some very scary verses, verses of warning found in verses 26 through 31. And we made the very clear biblical case in the context, the immediate context of Hebrews, the proximate context, and even the larger context of the Bible, that that warning is not directed to born again Christians, those who are in Christ, rather those who are playing games with God, and not believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, today we want to take it from there, continuing in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 32. And before we read those verses, uh, we need to understand that the verses that we just came out of and we discussed at the end of the lesson last time was directed to unbelievers, those who were not Uh, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, those who had basically seriously hardened themselves against the Lord. Now, in verse 32, the writer of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is talking to believers, those in Christ, but to those believers who are really not walking in victory, who are neglecting to do something very important. 
You know, we all deal with daily challenges to our walk of faith in Christ. And a little bit later in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, we'll read, The just shall live by faith. We live in a world alongside a majority of people that are unsaved, that are not in Christ, that are in the flesh. And those people walk according to the course of this world, Ephesians 2, 2a, instead of walking according to the kingdom of God. They walk according to the prince of the power of the air, Satan, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Again, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2b. Instead of walking by the spirit, who is the spirit of God's son and uh, sonship and loving obedience to our heavenly father. We walk alongside people every single day who conduct themselves in the lusts of their flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, Ephesians 2, 3. Instead of conducting one's life by living and walking by the Spirit, according to the Spirit, by faith in Jesus. And we, every single day in this world, walk alongside and among people who are by nature children of wrath, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3b. Instead of being by nature beloved children of God, who are highly favored in the beloved. Now, I want you to take a moment, and I want you to think about your everyday life. It could be the workplace. Many of us work in places where there are few, if any, Christians. And so we're constantly surrounded by People that I just described, the Bible describes in many different places, those who are dead in trespasses and sins, who are without God and without hope, who walk in darkness. I'm not saying that. The Bible says that. And so constantly we hear their talk. We hear their thinking. We hear their way of solving problems in this world. And we must remember that these are lost people. And lost people do things, well, that a person who is lost does. They don't know their way. And so it's easy for those of us who are believers, who are called to walk by faith and not by sight, to slip back into walking by the flesh. Walking by by flesh, what the Bible means is our five senses, our human understanding, our human perception of things. Our human strength and human ability, that's flesh. Walking by our flesh or walking by me. We can easily slip back into walking by sight rather than walking by faith. And as a result, we just like the dead world around us can end up living anxious, worried, and defeated. Instead of enjoying our Father's perfect love, which casts out all fear. Instead of enjoying the victorious life as more than conquerors through him who loved us, Romans 8.37. We can lose sight of the all-sufficiency of the Lord Jesus Christ and our completeness in him and the infinite ability of Christ inside of us. Remember what it says in Colossians 1.28, Christ in you, the hope of glory. But you see, our birthright As a child of God, as a son of God, adopted by God the Father because of Jesus, our birthright is living victoriously by means of the saving life of Jesus inside of us. Let me say that again. That's so important. 
Our birthright is living victoriously by means of the saving life of Jesus inside of us. God's answer for us is not trying to live the Christian life, not striving to live the Christian life, not struggling to live the Christian life, but rather trusting the life of Jesus inside of us. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is in John chapter 14, verse 6. And so as we go into these verses um, in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 32, again, speaking to Christians, those truly in Christ, but those who have sort of lost their way, uh, they, they aren't denying the Lord Jesus. They aren't necessarily backslidden, but they've been surrounded by a world that is so contrary to God, a world that is walking by flesh instead of walking by the spirit, a world that is walking by sight instead of walking by faith. Let's get into the word of God right now at Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 32. And as we turn to God's word, let's turn to the God of the word. Father God, once again, what an incredible honor and privilege to be called the children of God. Behold, what manner of love is this, that we should be called the children of God, and that is who we are. It's all because of you, Father. It's all because of your love. It's all because of your goodness and your faithfulness, all accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I am so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for such incredible love. Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your great plan of redemption. Thank you for your awesome salvation and this new life that is resurrection life for us right now, not just tomorrow, but right at this minute and always. Father, I pray that as we turn to your holy word in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 32, I pray that you, by the Holy Spirit, once again, would grant unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the full knowledge of you. We want to know you, Lord, and the height, depth, breadth, and width of your great love. Lord, thank you that our hearts are enlightened because the Holy Spirit is inside of us, that we may know the hope of our calling, the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe like the working of your mighty strength which you exerted in Christ when you raised him from the dead exalted him to your highest place above all principality and power seated at your right hand and thank you Lord that we're members of the church who are filled with Christ all in all in Jesus name amen all right, if you have your Bibles, make sure you're tuned and turned into Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 32. But recall the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me in my chains, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. 
So right there in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32, it says, but recall. Now, this is a call to remember. And this implies, obviously, that something very important has been forgotten. You know, we can lose sight of the power and the victory of the reality of Christ inside of us, the hope of glory. And we, yes, we, not only the people who are being written to in this passage of Hebrews, but we ourselves need to deliberately remember and recall the full dimensions of the perfections of Jesus and his perfect finished work for us. And he did it for us for the complete remission of our sins, for the forever forgiveness of all of our sins, past, present, and future, for our total reconciliation and relationship with God, for our new heart, for our new spirit, for our new life, for our righteousness, for our healing, for our deliverance, for our blessing. And why did God go through such tremendous accomplishments through his son, Jesus Christ? Why did he do it? Because God loves us that much. Oh, I love Ephesians 2 verse 4. You know, the first three verses of Ephesians 2, and we alluded a little bit earlier to it in this episode. But verse 4 says this. The first three verses talk about how bad every single one of us were without God and without Christ, dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 4 says this, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Isn't that powerful? The whole motivation of the richness of God's mercy and all that he did for us. The motivation is because of his great love with which he loved us. He loved us back when we were dead in trespasses and sins. Back when we were following the course of this world. The prince of the power of the air, Satan. uh, The spirit of disobedience. When we were following the lusts of our flesh, just like everyone else, who when we were by nature children of wrath. God showed his love then. And his perfect love never ends. He loves us today. That's the motivation why God has done so much for us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And in fact, this is one of the big reasons why the epistle to the Hebrews was even written. Now, as I said, at the beginning of this uh, teaching series in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews is written to Hebrews, to the Jews. And there were Jews who were born again in Christ, and they were suffering persecution, and they needed encouragement. And then there were Jews who were born again and received the Lord Jesus Christ and were in Christ, but they were mediocre. They were walking in immaturity. Uh, They had lost their way. And then there were those Jews who were playing around, as we said in the, at the end of the last uh, episode, where they were um, had one foot in the camp of 
being a Jew in the Old Covenant, in the law, and mixing those sacrifices and dabbling with Jesus. They were unsaved and they needed to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we see, especially in this particular um, part of Hebrews, one of the big reasons why this epistle was written, to remind us who are struggling to remember, recall the full dimensions of the perfections of Jesus and his perfect finished work for us, all done in love. Verse 32 says this, reading the whole verse, it says, but recall the former days in which after you were illuminated. Now, let's take a moment there. It says, after you were illuminated. We know what the word illuminate means, right? It's like a light bulb turns on and it lights up a dark place. Illuminated refers to what you could call I see it knowledge. Have you ever had someone try to explain something and and they'll try this way and that and then finally you say, oh, I see it, I get it, I get it. Well, in biblical Greek, uh, there are different Greek words that represent different, different levels and kinds of knowing or knowledge. And one of those levels is the I see it knowledge. And here, The writer of Hebrews, inspired of the Holy Spirit, is hearkening back to the time when they saw it. And and it hearkens back to the time when you first saw it. You were illuminated. You experienced God turning the light on so that you could see the all-sufficiency of Jesus and his perfect, finished work. It was the time when God turned the light on in our spiritual lives and when we were born again so that the Lord Jesus Christ was powerfully revealed to us and our lives were radically transformed through the new birth. We were changed, becoming new creations. And we read on in these verses Picking it up in the rest of the verse 32, it says, well, let me read all of verse 32, but recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. They endured, these people who were illuminated, who were transformed through the power of salvation, the new birth, becoming new creations in Christ, at that time they endured a great struggle with sufferings. And through church history, we know that that the early church was horribly persecuted. And that's not just the early church. There are many Christians on the planet today who are suffering. They are enduring great struggles of sufferings. The Amplified says, you endured a great and painful struggle. Through the ages of the church, there have been those who have suffered even to the point of death for their confession of the reality and totality of Christ and the reality and totality of Christ inside of them. Well, what was this great and painful struggle that they endured. Well, in Hebrews 10, 33, Amplified, it says this, sometimes being yourselves a gazing stock, publicly exposed to insults and abuse and distress, and sometimes claiming fellowship and making common cause with others who were so treated. So these were those who were being humiliated. They were being insulted and abused and and 
treated in a very distressful way publicly in front of others. And they endured this great and painful struggle is what it says there in verse 32 at the end. Uh, and and th- this is what they endured. And it also said that they made uh, fellowship and common cause with others who were so treated instead of saying staying away from people like that. And verse 34 says, for you had compassion on me in my chains. They weren't ashamed even of the writer of Hebrews who was in prison and the humiliation that he went through. They had compassion. They understood the suffering of those who were also being persecuted, even those who were languishing in prison because of their confession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch this, verse 34. This this is absolutely amazing to me. Verse 34, for you had compassion on me and my chains. And listen to this joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. Would you believe it? They joyfully accepted the plundering of their goods. There are people who um, were driven from their homes. They lost real estate. They lost goods. They lost riches because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only were they suffering, these Jews, they, they were suffering from fellow Jews who were unsaved, who were tormenting them for following the way, as it was called, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. But also there was persecution that was starting to kick up in Rome. We know that at about the time of the writing of this epistle, a, a horrible persecution was starting to break out against Christians throughout the Roman Empire. Nero was the emperor. He set fire to Rome and blamed it on the Christians. And that started a horrible persecution against Christians everywhere, particularly in Rome. And we see that they lost so much. They, but watch that, verse 34, it says, they joyfully accepted the plundering of their goods. Wow, that's amazing. They joyfully accepted the plundering of the, their goods. They, they didn't just accept it. I can understand that, I suppose, but they joyfully accepted it. Folks, that isn't even human, that kind of response. It has to be the divine life in them, Christ in them, the hope of glory. I remember as a young Christian, I was reading a book that recounted uh, the persecution and suffering of the early Christians. And what was so remarkable as I was reading account after account of horrible persecution, torturing, and murder of Christian men, women, even children, was their response of those Christians in the face of such horrible things such horrible atrocities being perpetrated against them. Many of them had such an amazing courage. In fact, I remember reading in uh, Fox's book of Martyrs that uh, Roman soldiers who were tasked with uh, forcibly taking um, Christians to the lion's to the ring to be mauled by lions were so surprised at how 
peaceful and calm these Christians were facing such a horrible death. And it was not unusual for those very same Roman soldiers that were forcibly leading them to the lions, to the ring and to where the lions were, hungry lions, that they themselves would get saved. Folks, that's miraculous. That's supernatural. That's the glory of the life of Christ in them. You see, that's the way that these Christians were. They were, after they were illuminated, after they had that I see it knowledge, after they saw the full dimensions of the grace of God and and, and the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ and believed on him, not only were their lives uh, transformed through the new birth and, and, and becoming born again, but they exhibited an amazing life of unusual, miraculous peace and perseverance and suffering. And in the midst of that, they really did walk as more than conquerors through him who loved us. As it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 37. I think it's very important to see what's going on here in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 32, and these verses that we've gone over in this lesson. Uh, The call to remember, the call to recall the former days. Now, this isn't some sentimental thing saying, oh, I remember the good old days in the church. No, not that at all. What it is, is recalling what we were saying earlier. All the, that he, the, the epistle to the Hebrews talks about, the glory and the wonder and the perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the glory and the wonder of the perfections of his finished work and the impact and effect upon our lives in a radical transformation. But just like in the early church, it can happen with us where we can lose sight of that. As I started this particular lesson off by saying that we're surrounded by a world that's going in the opposite direction of God, by people who are not walking by flesh, but they're by the spirit, but they're walking by the flesh. They're not walking by faith. They're walking by sight. And so it's easy for us to get caught up in these kinds of things. I was talking with a a brother in Christ just the other day, and he was talking about how bad conditions were in America. You know, how there is ungodly leadership, sometimes at the highest levels of our government, how there is so much uh, wrong and dishonesty and, and, and really everything that's going wrong with our country. And I had to remind him and remind myself, because I get caught up in the same thing too, God is alive. And yes, man without God is messes things up royally. But reality is not all of that stuff without God. Reality is God. God is the great reality. And when God is in the equation, he's the infinite part of the equation, and it makes a great difference. It's so easy for us to get caught up with Uh, the gloom and doom and bad reports of the day. It's so easy to get caught up in workplace gossip. 
It's so easy to get caught up in negativity. It gets. It is so easy for us to get caught up in saying, I, all I do is struggle, 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 struggle. My whole Christian life is a struggle. And what we're doing is we're engaging in negative faith. Faith that is pointed in the wrong direction. Faith that is directed toward the seen realm. Faith that is directed toward the flesh. What our five senses can perceive. What our little puny brains think is going on. It's so easy for us to have that negative faith instead of the positive faith in the word of God. A positive faith that is directed toward the living Lord Jesus Christ himself, who is not a way out there somewhere. But if you are in Christ through the new birth, you're born again by the grace of God through the Holy Spirit, Dear friend, Jesus is alive. And Jesus is alive inside of you. And that makes an infinite difference. In Hebrews 10, verse 35, it says this, Therefore, based on all that that has been presented in Hebrews Chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Do you hear that? Don't cast away your confidence. What is your confidence? It isn't, I have confidence in me. No, it's the confidence of the perfect man who is the perfect son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the perfection of all he's done. Everything we've been saying, everything that's been brought out over and over and over and over again throughout the book of Hebrews. Now it says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence. It's easy for us in the landslide of of this world to kind of cast away the confidence that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we do have confidence, real confidence, real faith that is grounded on the reality of the goodness and the greatness and the love of God, the grace of God. That confidence is based upon the goodness of God, executed, carried out, delivered, and accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ. And look what it says, this confidence has great reward. This is not some positive thinking stuff. No, 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 no. This is a real confidence based on the reality and totality of the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work and the results of it in and through our lives. This has incredible reward. Folks, in other words, this confidence pays back big time. But there can be a a tendency to forget. And so it's important to recall. And I commend you for listening to this series, not because I'm teaching it, but because of the subject of this series. Oh, it's so important. And what's really tragic is that the overwhelming majority of Christians have no clue what the new covenant is. My goodness, Jesus shed his blood to institute and inaugurate that new covenant. Shouldn't we pay attention to it? Well, yes, of course. Most Christians, when they think about their Christian life, 
think it's a life of imitation of Jesus. Nothing could be further from the truth. God is not interested in imitation, which is counterfeit. God is interested in reality, and reality is Jesus alive inside of us. Do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Listen, verse 36, for you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Now, this theme of endurance keeps coming up over and over and over again in the book of Hebrews. Endurance is this idea of standing up under over a period of time. Most of us, when we're dealing with the struggles of life, it's usually something that might be going on and on and on. It could be the parent who is heartbroken over a wayward child and is saying, God, save this child. And they've been praying for months, maybe years. Maybe it's an unsafe spouse that you're dealing with. Maybe it's a broken marriage. Maybe it's a health situation. Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's just work that seems like torture to you. For you have need of endurance. Now look, this endurance isn't you gritting your teeth and saying, okay, I'm just going to bear it. No, no, no. This endurance is the exercise of the real confidence that you have. The confidence which has great reward exercised calmly over an extended period of time. Look, I'm like you. I struggle. I get anxious at times, fearful. Um, and I have to remind myself, I have to deliberately recall Jesus is alive. Jesus did it all. I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. Jesus shed his blood for the complete remission and removal and deliverance from sins, my sins. Jesus did it all as the Lamb of God to secure my forgiveness. Through his blood, he has cleansed and washed me, and I am clean. I am pure. I have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I have to, I have to recall that and say it out loud confess it out loud. And sometimes I may be weary. Sometimes I may feel discouraged. And I just say, oh, well, rain on my feelings. My feelings do not dictate reality. The Word of God, the Bible, declares reality. And this is our confidence. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise for yet a little while and he who is coming will come and not tarry. I'm going to stop right there. When we pick up the next lesson, we're going to, we started this whole thing off by saying, okay, we've been learning carefully through the scripture and the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit about Jesus, the perfect son of God, perfect lamb of God, perfect son of man perfect high priest and his perfection of all of his work, his finished work, and that our Christian life proceeds from completeness and finished. And yet people, we may say, yeah, but but what part do I play? Well, we're going to be getting into it. And that is the just shall live by faith. The just 
shall live by faith. Maybe you've, and uh, we're going to be getting into the end of Hebrews chapter 10, going into Hebrews chapter 11, a chapter that many have referred to as the Faith Hall of Fame. But we're going to be teaching it perhaps in a way like you've never heard it before. Hebrews chapter 11, the Faith Hall of Fame chapter in the full context of Hebrews. And it makes a great difference in understanding that incredible chapter. That's coming up next time on Daily in Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so overwhelmed with gratitude. Lord, you are truly amazing and your love is so amazing. I think about those words to that song of worship. Father, how can I say thanks? for the things you have done for me. Things so undeserved, yet you gave to prove your love for me. The voices of a million angels cannot express my gratitude. All that I am or ever hope to be, I owe it all to thee. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory for the things he has done with his blood. He has saved me with his power. He has raised me to God be the glory for the things he has done. Lord, you do deserve the glory. And Father, I pray that you will take this word from your Holy Scripture And continue by the Holy Spirit to bring illumination and understanding and revelation of yourself. Lord, help our hearts to settle in, nestle in your daddy, father, love for us. Radical, committed love that would do all of this because you're that good. And we praise you and we give you the glory, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.